to another episode of The Coop. It's currently a chilly, chilly, chilly day in January. Um, but today, as you can tell from the title, we are going to be exploring rejection. This has been a topic in my notes app for a while. Basically, in my notes app, I have a list of just topics I want to explore. And rejection's been at the top of it for a really long time. And I don't know why, because it's not something that's... I mean, it, it has been like a theme in my life, but not... Not in a way that I think people usually think of when they think of rejection. I think the normal thought people will have in response to someone saying rejection is normally, like, romantically, should we say. For me, no, that's that's not really what's happening here. For me, it's very much in terms of jobs and, like, careers and life is kind of where that, my history of rejection is. But anyway, it's been in my notes up for a while. And this week, just based on, like, what my friends have kind of been through and... I don't know, just kind of what's been happening in the world. It felt like the right time to explore this little topic. So without further ado, everybody, this is an exploration of rejection. Now, I kind of, when I was thinking about it, I kind of split rejection into two categories. There's what I will call, what I will deem as practical rejection and then what I will deem as emotional rejection. Now, practical rejection is where my, you know, area of expertise lie. That is just a bit of me. That to me is more of like a job not working out, being rejected from a job or, you know, something creative or having an idea you propose be rejected, for example. Like, even even if it's in a, a familial setting, like, even if it's just, like, to your parents, oh, do you want to do this? Or can we watch this? And they're like, no. You know, even that kind of rejection. I've, I've placed in practical rejection, you know? Emotional rejection is where hearts get a little bit broken. <laughs> that I, I've more categorised as the harder rejection, shall we say. Because that's, to me, is, like, a relationship being rejected whether that's a friendship whether it's like you know platonic or romantic it's being rejected from a relationship of some sorts so that's kind of how I've thought about it um and with practical rejection it seems like it would be the easier option to have to go through shall we say but boy oh boy guys can I say, after I did a little bit of writing my thoughts down on, on some pa- with pen and paper, it came to my attention that practical rejection is just as what is just as bad as emotional rejection, and we will understand why. Now, what I found was that, you know, a practical rejection becomes very closely intertwined with the emotional rejection. Because normally the whole point of rejection I feel like normally you can't really be rejected from something without it feeling a little bit bad. Just a little bit, because normally the thing you're being rejected from is something you care about. Which is why practical rejection is no easy feat. Because, for example, even though being rejected from a job, let's say, might seem easier than being rejected from someone you love, the job could be something you love. So it's still got that equal amount of your energy you're putting into that relationship, whether it's with a person, whether it's with a object. Okay, that sounds weird, but like whether it's with something abstract, you know, like for example, my love for dance, like you can't, that's not, that's not like tangible or whatever. That's not a like physical relationship, but 
the love I had for dance could, I mean, I don't know, I've never been in a relationship, but that could probably have like an equal, obviously two, de- two very different types of love, but that could have an equal importance to me as like being in a relationship. So then let's just talk about my little practical, my little experience with practical rejection. It already begins um, with my numerous, my numerous rejections, oh my god, that word is going to get old soon, but my numerous rejections from dance schools. It might, you know, that might just seem like an easier pill to swallow than being rejected from a friendship, purely because the latter feels more personal. But when it comes to, like, dance, oh, we're getting personal. We are getting personal. Because the thing is, is that I, to me, I formed a relationship with dance. I formed a relationship to dance, you know? I started dance when I was, what, like, three years old, literally when I could basically walk. I started dance. And then when I was eight, maybe, I would say when I was, like, eight to, or kind of around, like, eight to ten years old, that's when I really wanted dance to be my career. It was the only thing I envisioned for when I thought about my future. I genuinely could not picture myself as anything but a dancer. Like, there was just nothing else that interested me. Literally nothing. And my parents the whole time would be like, oh, but you're very good at English. Like, you should, you know, consider writing and consider this. And I was like, nope, absolutely not. I'm, when it comes to things or people I love, I will be the most stubborn person. <laughs> you'll have me, like, I, maybe I'm just stubborn all round, but I feel like it's more so for the things I love and the things I care for. I will be stubborn and dance was a part of that. I would absolutely not budge on what I thought my career should be. I did not hear anyone. I was like, nope, it's dance or nothing. Genuinely, it's dance or nothing. So obviously, as the years went by, my relationship with dance only intensified as I took it more and more seriously. You know, the more I got older, the more hours I put in and the harder I worked to try and get that dream to happen. But subsequently, the more pressure I put on myself to make this dream happen. Dream in quotation marks, because it just took a sour turn. Um, And I think the relationship I had with dance suddenly became a very, very desperate one. Because the reality I faced at the time was that if I didn't dance, then what the hell was I going to be? And who even was I? Who even was I? Like, without dance, I truly felt like I didn't know who I was. To me... I mean, it's because I placed so much of myself in being dance. It's because the whole time I'd shut down everyone else's thoughts and opinions of what I should be in the future. I constantly was like, no, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a dancer. I told myself that I was a, not I was a dancer, but I was going to be a dancer. So therefore, when that wasn't working out, it felt like that identity had completely been stripped away because I had based my whole future off of that sole fact. But that's a whole nother thing. That's explored in an exploration of identity. So go check that out. That episode is quite monumental. I will always reference back to it. So yeah, this meant that when I did get to the point of auditioning for schools and taking those next steps career-wise, I wasn't prepared at all for the harshness of rejection. Pretty much every rejection email I got did have me resulting in tears. Because it wasn't just one audition that didn't work out. It was my childhood dream. I mean, not to be dramatic, but it was my childhood dream and the entirety of my future that wasn't working out. And that was a loss I had absolutely not seen coming. When, 
because I hadn't even, I hadn't even, I just hadn't faced, maybe it wasn't self-belief or maybe it was living in denial, but I hadn't even prepared myself for what would happen if I wasn't a dancer. And I think that's the scariest thing about rejection is it's the uncertainty that comes with it. Either you don't prepare for it or you don't see it coming, that you just get a sudden blow when you've been rejected. You just get completely slapped in the face. It's like, where the hell did that come from? Or even if you did see it coming, it's still, you know, rejection, you don't normally welcome rejection. You don't normally accept it. So you're going to be living in denial and kind of pushing it away. So regardless of what happens, it's going to come and it's going to slap you in, a, in your face, whether you like it or not. So back to this whole idea of practical rejection, when I was actually really thinking about it, I was like, well, I don't think such a concept even exists. Like, I think I've just, oh, I think I've just tried to categorize, categorize rejection into two strands when there's only one strand that really exists, which is just simply the emotional rejection. Because ultimately you have a relationship with everything in your life, that there's bound to be feelings tied up in your relationship to that thing, which is why, whether it's in large degrees or not, every rejection is going to feel emotional because everything in your life is underpinned by a relationship. And I feel like what, like you, you are going to have feelings towards any relationship you have. Well, that's literally just like the relationship you have with your childhood home or the relationship you have with, I don't know, your favorite pen. There's going to be emotion tied to that. Therefore, I mean, you can't really be rejected by a pen or a house, but do you get what I'm saying? Every relationship's underpinned by emotion that whenever you're rejected from that relationship, it's gonna result in some kind of pain, I guess, or feeling. Now, I think what's useful to remember about it, about rejection, is that through experience, you can learn that one no doesn't mean a history of no's. For example, this time last year, I applied for the apprenticeship for the BBC thinking like that was kind of what my gap year or my life, shall we say, would that's how it kind of kickstart, right? I never thought I'd get it, but I just was like, that's the hopefully the plan if it works out. Um, and this was the first thing I'd ever auditioned for. I mean, I always call it auditions, but this was the first thing I'd ever uh, signed up for, I guess. Uh, I don't know. We'll go for audition. This is the first thing I ever auditioned for since two years prior when I'd done all these dance auditions. But when I didn't get the apprenticeship, I reminded myself how with dance I made auditions, you know, the be all or end all, and very much let that ruin me and cripple me and destroy me. But this time I knew that this would only be one thing that wouldn't work out. And for me, ultimately, it didn't need to cause a decimation of my whole entire identity. Like this one apprenticeship did not need to destroy Mm, who I thought I was going to be and what my whole future was going to be and what my whole career and personality trait was going to be based off. It didn't need to take that much away from me because ultimately it's one thing in your life you've tried for. It's not your whole life being rejected. It's just that soul, that one thing. So I think that was a huge learning curve for me was just realizing that rejection really isn't the end of the world. Like one rejection doesn't mean infinite rejection. 
And I just remember being very, everyone was quite worried about it because they were like, we don't know how you're going to take it. Because obviously your last reaction with dance not working out was pretty bad and kind of triggered my whole anorexia just a little bit. So there was a lot of concern about how this rejection from the apprenticeship would go. But I took it well. Like, I didn't even cry when I found out that it didn't work out. I was just... Because I was expecting it as well, because the amount of people that actually get accepted is so low anyway. I was like, it's ridiculous that I've even got this far into the process. Um, so when it didn't work out, I was just like, you know what? Okay. Like, I was bummed out. I, you know, did feel a little bit of a sigh coming on. I was just like, ugh, really? Really? But then I was like, okay, realistically, I'm... At the time, I was 17 my life, I'm 17 and I've still got the rest of my life and I'll just go with the flow. I'll just start something new in September, a new plan. I'll just see what happens. Just kind of take it easy breezy. And I'm so happy that I listened to that and I was okay with it because it did work out. Like I'm here and everything has worked out miraculously. So I think that was a huge lesson to take away. But anyway, onto the more personal kind of rejections you can face, such as that with platonic or romantic relationships what I like to call the emotional rejection, it's very easy for them to cause a lot of emotional damage, hence the little label I gave it. And I think it's because when you invest so much time and love and energy into someone or something, you're bound to feel hurt when the receiver is just chucking that love away. No one deserves to have their love discarded, but unfortunately, it just becomes one of the many experiences of life. And... It pains me to say this, but I I know with my family, I definitely discarded their love. Because at the time, this is me like referencing kind of last year, um, like the last two years, maybe even since 2019, to be honest, I'm not going to lie. But I discarded my family's love because at the time I felt so undeserving of it. It felt so unjustifiable. And I still feel this now, to be fair. It feels so unjustifiable to have a family surrounding me with all this unconditional support when I showed them no love in return. Like, last year I was horrible. Not even, or like, for the past years, horrible to my parents, horrible to my family. Shut them out, really just detest, like, I, I really had a lot of hatred inside of me, but it, I don't even think it was necessarily at them, it was more so at their love. Because I just couldn't accept the fact that I'd ruined my life, first of all. I'd ruined my whole family's life by causing them so much pain and stress and hurt and whatever and anger. And here they were willing to love me and to, you know, hold me close, whatever, very cute. I just couldn't accept that. I was like, I can't, I can't, I just can't, I can't sit here and allow you to love me when I have put you through hell and back. I can't. So I started to hate their love, which means I started to hate them. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of the time I tend to reject. Well, it seems to, it seems that I tend to reject my family, but it's really not that I'm rejecting them. It's that I'm just rejecting the love because I'm like, it feels wrong to be surrounded by so much love when I've caused a lot of pain. But anyway, that's getting a bit deep and sad. That's kind of like low-key therapy. But anyway, in hindsight, I can see now that I didn't have the capacity to love myself, which is why I rejected love from others as well. Because 
again, like, I was so angry at myself for ruining and really hurting my family that I didn't even have it in me to love myself, which meant I couldn't even understand how other people could believe me, like, believe me? I couldn't even understand how other people could love me. That just didn't make sense. I was like, no, I just did not have the capacity to allow love into my life. And that understandably really hurt my family. You know, here was someone they really cared about who seemingly couldn't care less about them. And I think that's a very similar to similar dynamic to what happens in a romantic relationship as well. When a breakup happens based on the grounds of someone not loving the other enough or in really dire cases at all anymore, it genuinely is heartbreaking because the peace of yourself you gave to that person was just thrown away. It feels like you had all this love that you placed in the other person's hands and they literally just bloody chucked out of the window. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. That's I mean, I don't know, I haven't been through a breakup, but that's how I presume it would feel, just based on, I know how, probably how my parents felt during the past two years. Oh, God save us all. Um, But that's why so many people have defence barriers up, though, or they don't necessarily open up about their lives because they fear the hurt they'll endure if and when they get rejected. Guys, like, I know with me, I use humour, lol, and self-deprecation as a defence mechanism, because in my head, I I feel like, to be fair, it sounds really delulu, but I, I know that so many people are, are gonna relate to me on this, where it's like, if I hurt myself first and diminish my self-worth before others do, then in an ideal world, what other people say about me can't affect me. Because technically, I've already beaten them to it you know it's like if you tell me if if I'm like to myself oh my god you're so worthless oh my god how could anybody love you oh my god you know you're terrible at this and you're terrible at that it means when other people say that which they don't but if anyone was to ever say oh my god you're worthless I'm like in my head I'm like oh well that's nothing that I haven't told myself already so your comment doesn't even hurt me however that's obviously not the case um, because realistically, I'm just a sensitive girly, aren't I? Realistically, whatever. If anyone ever says something mean, it is just gonna hurt me. But what I'm getting at is how we all fear the pain rejection inevitably causes. And when we do, maybe let the love in again. You know, whether that be romantically or platonically, when it does get rejected by the receiver, it just feels like another reason to put a barrier up of self-defense. If you think about it, you've spent all this time, you know, people have these little barriers up, these little, I guess, defense mechanisms or self-preservation, who knows, but people have those barriers up and it's like when you get to know someone, those barriers slowly get to be chiseled away until you kind of accept their love and accept their your relationship with them and let yourself be vulnerable to them. And that's a very scary position to be in that when that love and that relationship gets rejected by the other person, it is gonna be painful. It's gonna, like, there's no other words. It's genuinely heartbreaking. Like we, I so understand the term heartbreak because you've spent all this time putting your trust into someone after trusting yourself 
to let your barriers down. And then, okay, this relationship, whether it's, like, a friendship or, or not, or more, it's, like, okay, you're, like, good friends, whatever, or, like, you're, like, in a healthy relationship, whatever, and it's nice, and it's, it's you feel okay being vulnerable with this person. Like, you're vulnerable... Your vulnerability doesn't feel scary. It feels safe because you feel... You've trusted the hands you've put it in, but the thing is, is when that relationship ends or when your love for someone gets rejected or when the other person in the relationship rejects you, such as the friend or the romantic partner, whatever, it's going to make that vulnerability feel so exposed again because immediately now that person can't be trusted, now that person doesn't feel safe. It just feels like they've left a hole in you. Like a gaping hole. It's like the dam's broken, the water's gushing in. You are practically drowning because, holy crap, we've put all our self-defense mechanisms down for this person and now they've hurt us in such a way that those barriers are gonna be rebuilt and fortified, I tell you, until the next person comes along and we do the exact same thing again. But I think that's the thing though, is that it will happen again, most likely. That's what was kind of beautiful about humans and about life is that it doesn't matter how many times we might feel exposed and we might be hurt by people rejecting us. When you find someone new and we build that relationship again, those barriers are going to be broken down and it could end up just like it did the last time where you get hurt and you have to build up your defence again but it could also work out. And it could also be a friend for life that you have, that's just the most gorgeous friendship ever and you feel like you don't have to protect yourself from being hurt by them because you know they'll never hurt you or it could be the same for a romantic relationship. Anyway, 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 what my main kind of summary is of this is that although yes, rejection hurts and yes, it's scary, it doesn't mean that every subsequent relationship in the future is also going to involve you being rejected in some way. The beauty of life is that it does just carry on. And okay, there are some external factors which my point is not going to cover, such as trauma. You know, sometimes when something really traumatic in a relationship happens and you do put those barriers up, Sometimes the trauma doesn't let you take those barriers down again. But that's just something you have to work through with therapy, <laughs> quite frankly. Like, for example, this is really not very traumatic, but it's just a personal example I can use. In With my friends, right, with my old friendship debacle, go to an exploration of friendships if you need a little background history, but... In 2019, I was hurt so, like, it was after an accumulation of years, but I was hurt so badly by some friends that I had just, my self-defense had obviously become my self-deprecation, and the whole time I just tell myself, I was like, oh, you're, you're worthless, and no one likes you, and no one, oh, it's really horrible saying that out loud, but it was just like, and no one wants to hear you speak, and whatever you speak is going to be used against you, so there's no point to even speaking, and no one cares, like, literally no one cares, you're so worthless, you know, all this stuff, that was my self-defense, because I was like, if, if I don't say it, my friends will, like, those people genuinely would, um, that I had to say it to myself first, and it's only through therapy and through finding new friends, 
just in the past year, I kid you not, in the past year, that I finally let that self-defense barrier down slightly. It's still really bad. Like, I, I am very self-deprecating the whole time. You know, someone could, someone could give me a lovely compliment and just say one thing at the end. That's not even necessarily bad, but just has a slight, not even negative, but maybe just something I could do better, for example. And all I will hear is that tiny little negative thing and I'll blow that up in my mind and be like, see, see, you are worthless. You can't do this. What are you doing? See, you're not good enough. Because for like four years, that's how my brain worked. My brain only thrived off of self-deprecation. Like it, if someone gave me a compliment in 2020, I couldn't accept it. I, I would, I would reject it. Okay. I was the rejecter because of my own rejection from my friends. Isn't that so confusing and messed up? Anyway, I'm tangenting now, but yeah, what I want you guys to take away from this little exploration is that what happens a lot of the time with any kind of rejection is that you blind yourself of all the other relationships that are around you. You know, you tend to focus on the thing that hasn't worked out rather than all the other things around you that has. When dance failed for me, I didn't value the love I had for music or for podcasting because my sole focus was on dance. And similarly, in a friendship or relationship or breakup, whatever, you don't necessarily see all the people around you who love you and support you unconditionally and who are there for you. Because again, your attention is entirely focused on the relationship you just lost. Because it's loss, it's grief. And I think that's what rejection is. It's loss and grief. And that's one of the most overwhelming emotions you can feel. Because love is a very powerful emotion. So then when it's rejected, it's going to feel horrible. It's going to feel just as strong. Because this huge emotion you had has just been ripped away from you. Anyway, we're getting a bit getting a bit emotional, getting a bit poetic about it now. So really to just end this episode for you all. I want to remind myself and also you guys that whatever or whoever you've been rejected from, it's only one no. Your whole life hasn't been rejected. It's just that one relationship, whether it be to a person or a thing. So at the end of the day, you'll find another path or person that will be the right fit for you. Because life will just carry on you'll find another career path, you'll find another, you'll propose another idea that a boss, for example, might say, yeah, that's a great idea, we love that. You'll find another friend, you'll find another partner. Rejection, one, like, soul rejection is not infinite, it's just an occasion. Anyway, that's all I really have for today. I feel like I just, I feel like this has been cut so short, but I think that's also because I'm used to just rambling, bambling my head off for years. But this time I actually wrote my thoughts down to be concise about it. So that's all I have. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you learned something or learned nothing or just had a fun time relating to me. Have a good week, everybody. And I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Okay, bye. Thank you.